God bless you. It's good to be with you uh, for this teaching out of the book of Proverbs. Joining me again, Pastor Astani, our campus pastor at the Michigan Street Campus. And we're looking at Proverbs chapter 12. So we're so glad that you have joined us wherever you are watching, listening. And I pray that this word, and that's exactly what it is, is the word of God. It's going to be real to your life and feed your soul. Well, the book of Proverbs chapter 12 is the story of the lifestyle of two different kinds of men. First of all, the righteous, and then the foolish man. So we're going to be talking about it. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Why don't you read that, Pastor Sonny? Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Now, we're not allowed to use that word in our house. But the word says that he who hates correction is stupid. Not smart. All right. We'll use that word. Okay. But it really means stupid. All right. Uh, the righteous man loves instruction. And he loves knowledge. He enjoys the fact that when someone comes to him and shares even corrective truth, he's blessed by it. He's thankful for it. That's the righteous man. But the foolish man or the unrighteous man is not excited when somebody comes to them. They take offense at it. Uh, I guess in most cases, a foolish man would receive correction from someone they deem worthy to correct them. But if it's someone that uh, they don't deem worthy, then they put up a barrier. That's extremely foolish, to say the least. So, today, I'm trusting that every man and every woman or young person listening to this broadcast is choosing to be a righteous person. That means you're open to correction. If you're a teenager, you're open to correction from your parents, from whoever you're working for, and even if you don't agree, still you are open. You take it in, you don't put up a wall, you receive it, and then if the person doesn't have all the information, you humbly tell them, well, can I share this with you. So it's an act of humility in their response for the righteous person. Well, as you read a moment ago, the foolish person hates corruption. Maybe you have some thoughts on that, Pastor. Well, I think we've all run into someone that you go to give a, a kind word of just correction and it's met with resistance. Uh, and uh, I... Every time I've been corrected on some kind of issue or brought some kind of constructive criticism my way, I've received and I said, you know what, we can always get better. Wait a minute. Um, you mean you've done something that you need to be corrected oh, about? Oh, dear heaven. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think we all, we all fall short of the glory of God. And, uh, Sometimes way short. Yeah. Um, you've been corrected, I'm sure, by your wife. Yes. That's one of the reasons we get married. Yes. So that we'll have somebody close up yeah. 
to correct us. So uh, those of you that are married, don't take offense at it. Listen to it. Sometimes they're going to be 100% right. Sometimes 75 or maybe even below 50. But we still receive it with an attitude of gratitude. I like that. Have an attitude of gratitude when it comes to someone wanting to share with us yeah. something that they genuinely believe will help us. Yes, we, are, we can all improve in one way or another. And, and uh, it's the people that, that, that love us, that are closest to us, um, that will help bring some of that correction in our lives. And God will help use them to help us. Well, I want to be better. I know you do so yeah, also. Absolutely. So that's why we give people the permission to bring correction to our lives, yeah. especially those closest to us mm -hmm. or the person over us, our boss, uh, whether it's a man or a woman, whether we think they're even qualified right. to give us input. We do it. I've often told people that were um, let go. I remember uh, many years ago as a youth pastor, I had a young lady come to me and she said, uh, they let me go. And I started quizzing her as to why. And she alluded to um, less than a stellar performance. And I said, you know what you should do? You should go back to that boss. You should ask to speak to them. And even though you've been let go, walk in and say to them, please forgive me. Uh, would you be so kind as to share with me some things that you think will help me to not ever get laid off again? Well, that's a humbling act. Absolutely. But if somebody does that, first of all, even though the person may have let them go, we don't like to use the word fired, but let them go, still, when you walk out of his office or her office, they're going to be like, wow. Um, they're almost going to regret the decision. Absolutely. They may stop you before you get to the front door, hire you back with that attitude. Yeah. Um, that's the attitude every one of us should have. Well, we better get going, or yeah. we're never going to finish Proverbs <laughs> chapter true. 12. Amen. So Proverbs 12, uh, 4 uh, says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness uh, in the bones. So Solomon here, he's speaking to the young men and, uh, uh, that are going to be leading Israel. And he's, he's giving them instruction and he, he puts this in there for a very specific reason. Because having a virtuous wife is important. It helps uh, us to be better men, I would say. And the fact that Proverbs here says the excellent, an excellent wife is a crown to her husband. There's millions of, uh, of men globally, but you put a crown on a man and he's going to stand out and everyone's going to know, want to know who is, what's those, why, who is this guy that has this crown? God in his word is saying that our wives, a virtuous wife, is a crown to us. And on that note, we, if God calls it a crown, would we get home and take our crown off and just fling it in the corner? Absolutely not. We take care of that 
we take care of that crown, set it somewhere, make sure that it doesn't get beat up, treated improperly. I believe that God used that word in, in the scripture to tell us men how to treat our wives. Guys, if I may, uh, are you treating your wife like a crown? Um, if you're not, turn from that behavior um, and start treating her like a crown because it's a blessing. We obtain favor from the Lord when we find a wife. Maybe it's even a sign that the man doesn't love himself. Mm. Uh, if, he, if he finds it difficult to love her and to treat her correctly, maybe that's indicative that he has a self-love problem in his own life. So that's a good point. Um, he's, Solomon is telling these young men, you need to learn knowledge, you need to learn wisdom, you need to learn politics and be right and just and honest and fair, and on and on and on the character list goes. But then he says, make sure that you marry the right wife. It could also be certainly and is reverse. Ladies, uh, those of you that are single watching, make sure you marry the right person. Now, they're not going to be perfect because no one is perfect. But um, notice them, even around maybe their mother, how they treat their mom, how they treat other women, um, how they are toward them. It may be an indicator of how they're going to treat you. So it's so important for wives or women to choose the right husband and husbands to choose the right wife. Um, I believe with all my heart that most men that are successful are looked upon, at least as being successful, are due in large part to the person that stands next to them. Absolutely. Um, the one that is supportive. Can you imagine being married to someone who's always criticizing everything you do, um, never supportive, and uh, tearing you down instead of building you up? I don't even want to imagine that. Uh, I'm just grateful for mine. And I know that the, the wives of the men that we get to serve with on the staff, they're virtuous women. And, uh, and you can see it in the guys because they're healthy. <laughs> it's, um, it is so true. There's no question about it. Years ago, I had a pastor friend and he told me, or I found out, he's pastoring a church, senior pastor, and his wife hardly ever comes to church. Hmm. So Sunday morning arrives, she's not there. Uh, she was big time into horses and show horses. She'd be gone. So she hardly ever came to support her husband. Uh, boy, people note, take note of that. And it indicates that if they don't have their own family under control, how, how can they learn to rule well, Christ-like rule, well in the church family? Absolutely. So uh, I'm so thankful that um, my wife has been supportive. I, I have to say that without question, 
I am where I am today, first of all, by the grace of God, and same with you yeah. and all of us. But then, if we're married, we're where we are also because of a person sometimes that stands in the shadows. They may not get very much attention at all, but they're supporting us. Yeah. They're building us up. Absolutely. You know, over 30 plus years, um, I preached a couple bad sermons. <laughs> and afterwards, I, I just felt like going through the back door. And nobody out there say amen. But yeah. anyway, uh, and then I'd say something to Alice, and she said, oh, it wasn't that bad. And, and no, it was good. And, and I'd be like, Alice, I know you're lying to me, but it feels so good. Um, anyway, to have a wife support you, have a husband support you, even when you feel like you blow it yeah. is a good thing. All right, next one. Proverbs 12, 5 and 6 says, The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. So one thing that, was, that I saw in there is lie in wait for blood. Okay, so we, the, the, un, the righteous person and the, uh, the fool, the wicked uh, person, it dates all the way back to the fall of man with, when Cain and Abel, uh, the, the brothers, uh, Abel had a righteous uh, attitude. Cain uh, fell short even though God reached out to him. Uh, and said, hey, if you correct this, um, I'll accept what you're offering me in this sacrifice. But he chose wrong. It goes all the way through uh, mankind and generations all the way till now. So in society today, we have people that, uh, that even in times of, uh, of crisis, like uh, we're dealing with now, they will stand up to fight for mankind and for nation and for country and, for, and to help one another. Uh, but there are still some uh, the, of the wicked, <laughs> that the fool, that rises up and wants to hurt and take advantage and, and, uh, and, and just take advantage of people uh, in, in times of crisis. So that, that lie in wait in blood, it's almost like I can see someone saying, we'll just wait till things get really bad and then we'll, we'll scam them. We'll take something from them. Uh, and, and we see that even now, yeah. just yesterday I heard of... Uh, uh, of a scam that's going on where people are getting text and those texts say, if you want to know when your stimulus check is coming in, just click the link below. And then people click the link and then their identity gets stolen, funds get stolen and, get, and they get scammed. So there are people that are righteous and then the wicked that lie in wait should just take advantage of someone. They need to repent. If for some reason you're watching this and you're like, Ugh, that's me, just turn because we, gotta, we have a God that wants us to turn from our wicked ways and, uh, and start making right decisions. You know, it's so true because in every crisis, there's always someone unrighteous looking to take advantage of it. Well, let's move on. Uh, next verse we're going to look at is Proverbs 12 in verse 12. The wicked covet. Uh, the wicked are envious. They are covetous. Um, they're jealous. They covet the catch um, of evil men. The wicked covet the catch of evil men. But the root of the righteous yields fruit. The fruit uh, or the root of the righteous yields fruit. Uh, envy and jealousy. There's always going to be people that have more than us. Always. Jesus said, 
the poor, you will always have with you. There'll always be poor people. But let me say to you, even though you may have just lost your job, this is a temporary blimp on the screen of life. Uh, I want to challenge you to know that if you serve God, you put him first, you honor God, that God is going to bless you, meet your need, and there will come the day that you will not consider yourself poor because you won't be poor. You will realize you're rich yes. in Christ. So during this time especially, there are a lot of people listening. You're doing fine. Maybe you're retired and you've got a regular income. Um, there are others of you that you have enough money to last you two years' time or six months or more. Um, there are others of you listening that right now, you're wondering how you're going to pay the bills next week. Well, let me tell you, the last thing you want to do is get angry. Last thing you want to do is covet or think, God, why don't I have what they have? They're doing fine. Maybe it's a family member, sister, brother, and you're, you're finding yourself jealous or envious or covetous of what they have. That's the last thing, as I said, you need to do. No, you rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in the fact that God is going to bring you through this. Yes. So we don't go down a wrong dead-end alley, all right? Especially at a time like this. So we're not going to be jealous, all right? We learn contentment. And those of you that have much, during this time, you learn to open up the bowels of your compassion, the Bible yeah. says, and have compassion yeah. on people. Um, just a couple weeks ago, um, the church was doing a grocery distribution with the help of, of course, the provision of Second Harvest Food Bank. And um, we served that day probably 800 plus cars and about 100 cars church was giving gift cards to. Yeah. One of the lots that were full of cars waiting, I walked around to see people and greet them. And one man looks at me and he says, are there going to be enough groceries? I, I got to feed my kids. And my heart just, he just reached out and ripped my heart. The thought of this father having to be concerned about feeding his kids. Um, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're, we're meeting needs. We have helped to feed thousands and thousands of people in several different ways in the last few weeks, helping people pay bills. It's no one's fault that this has happened. If you've lost your job, that wasn't your fault. And please, if, if you've gotten the virus, um, look, it's, don't, don't act like you've got some scarlet letter written above your name or on your shoulder. Uh, none of us caused this. And so we're going to get through it together yes. with God's help. Amen. So um, I challenge you. Why don't you read uh, Philippians chapter 4? It's a great verse. Uh, 4, 11 through 13 says, Now that I speak, uh, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know, uh, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And verse 13 that we all love, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. We use that a lot, all of us do, and rightly so. It's an incredible verse. But he uses it in the context of learning contentment. Um, maybe now is a prime time for all of us to learn a little more about contentment. Uh, Paul said, I had to learn contentment uh, in the hard times, in the good times. I had to learn contentment of wherever I was in life. He was, first of all, uh, content in his relationship with God and learn to be content as far as material possessions or whatever else he was having. Well, um, boy, this has been good, and we've gone so slow that we're not going to finish. So I'm going to blame you. No, no, no I'm not going to blame you. Uh, it's not your fault. But uh, anyway, we're almost out of time. So um, let me just touch on the subject matter for the rest of the uh, book of Proverbs we were going to cover. We were going to talk about the fruit of our words yes. and how so important to choose our words and to speak positive words. We we're going to talk about anger yes. and not getting angry, even though I have to admit, there's been a few times I've gotten angry. I've gotten angry because people are suffering. Yeah. I've gotten angry. Yeah. Never mind some of the other areas. But anyway, I've just found myself at times getting a little angry. And maybe you have too. Yeah. So we've got to conquer that together. And then the last thing was, comment on it, Pastor Stani, don't worry. Don't oh, worry. Lord. Yeah, it's, it's what Jesus told us uh, <laughs> to make sure that we didn't do was to worry. Because when we worry, uh, we're concerned of how we are going to get through, how we're going to make it, how we, we, we. <laughs> Uh, but if our dependence is on Christ and we're saying, God, you're the source of life for us uh, and we depend on you, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, not just what we receive in sustenance, but mental stability and emotional health. All of this, uh, it, it comes from the source, which is, which is God. You know, I was driving out of my neighborhood this morning and I was, I was quoting that the Lord's Prayer, our daily bread. And remembering what Dr. Mark Rutland said about it when he came here, I don't know, a couple years ago yeah. and taught on, on that. And um, it is his provision. Thank God. Don't worry. Why? Because worry draws a spirit of fear. Yes. And um, to trust in God draws faith. So let's repel the spirit of fear and let's draw the spirit of faith into our lives. Yes. Praise God. Yes. We're going to um, ask you if you know Christ. You know, almost at the end of every service we have probably ever had in this church, we have asked people to consider the claims of Christ on their life. We've said to people, if you don't know Christ or you 
are away from Christ and need to come back to God. Some of you listening may be away from Christ. And boy, what better time. Um, today is the day of salvation. Every day is the best time to come back to Christ. So I want to challenge you, whoever you are, if you don't have a relationship with Christ or you've fallen away, I challenge you to come back. In just a moment, we're going to pray for you and ask God to draw you to a place of total and complete repentance. Repentance. To turn from our wicked ways, the Bible says. Our selfish ways. Our ways that are contrary to God's ways. And turn to His ways. The difference is astounding. One is fear. One is faith. One is worry. One is peace. And so I challenge you today to turn to God's way. Would you just pray with me right now as I pray and um, and Pastor Stani prays together here. We're going to pray for you that you, wherever you are, will say, Jesus, forgive me, change my life, forgive my sins, help me to serve you with all my heart. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I, I pray for every person that may be listening that doesn't know you. I pray, O oh Lord God, that they would surrender their life to you. And I pray, I pray for those that once walked with you. O oh Lord, there's so many all over this city that used to walk in faith and victory, but have stumbled along life's journey. And they've fallen away from their faith. Lord, I pray they'd look to you. I pray they would turn back to you with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength in the wonderful name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So wherever you are today, um, trust in the Lord. Put your faith in him. Let your words be positive and, and um, treat others with kindness and joy and, and speak words of life into others also. Well, it's been great for us to be with you again and uh, this great study in the book of Proverbs and uh, so wonderful to have Pastor John with us. And uh, today he's uh, either going to lead us in a chorus or he's going to pray a prayer dismissal. But uh, we're so thankful that God brought him through this episode that he's gone through. And he's shouting the praises of victory. Praise God. God bless each and every one of you. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. One more time, let's sing that. Say, I surrender all. I surrender all. 
call to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior Jesus we do surrender all to you today and we're thankful that we can put our trust in you no matter where we are right now, no matter what we're facing right now. You know, God, we're all facing a similar thing together, but the variation of how that's affecting our families and our finances and every area of our lives, it can be so vast. But God, you have the whole world in the palm of your hand. You have you have our lives in the palm of your hand and we can trust you with everything. And so we do that today. Those of us that have given our lives to you for the first time today, we want you to know that we surrender all to you. Those of us, Lord, that are trusting you because we know your worth and we know your, your track record and we know your goodness, we want you to know we surrender all to you. And we pray, Lord, that as we end this time of word and worship together, that you would continue to be with our families, continue to be with our church and every church, your entire body, all over this world that's trusting you. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.